Hey mama, do you find yourself wishing you knew you were on the right path with your business or wanting to know how to do it all as a work at home mom and entrepreneur? If you struggle with imposter syndrome, mom guilt, or fear of failure, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Alexia, a Christian mindset coach, passionate about teaching moms how to renew their minds to find success both in business and motherhood. You can overcome the negative thoughts holding you back from fully stepping into your calling. I know what it's like to worry your business will never work, to feel mom guilt every time you work on your business, to realize your mindset is hindering you, but not knowing how to change it in a Christ-centered way. I created the Mom with a Calling podcast to teach you how to use the powerful combination of God's word and proven mindset strategies to help you break free from negative, paralyzing thoughts and gain clarity and confidence to go where God is leading you. As you step out of the old way of thinking and into God's way, you'll find more peace, joy, and purpose. Pop in those earbuds and get ready to let God work in you so he can work through you. All right. Welcome back to the Mama with a Calling podcast. This is Alexia, and I am happy to bring you the follow-up conversation to our conversation last time with Sandy Cooper about social media and how it's affecting us as entrepreneurs and how we can break free from the trap that we feel we're in, that we have to do social media as entrepreneurs. So we talked last time about some of the reasons why social media may not be right for us, why it is causing this, this feeling that we can't get out. And we're going to finish out the conversation today, just sort of wrapping that up and talking about more um, reasons, if you needed more, more reasons for why social media may not be right for you. And also what you can do instead and how you can start to take steps to shift the way you think about your business, to think about how you think about connection with other people and um, in your business, that it doesn't have to be on social media. And then at the end, talking about Sandy's um, challenge she has coming up called Make Social Media Small, which is just encouraging you to take a seven-day break. And she has prompts and things to help you through that. So you can check that out at thescooponbalance.com slash make social media small. And I'll put those links in the description below. So let's finish out this conversation with Sandy Cooper about social media. Okay. Let, yeah. Let's hear uh, reason number four. Okay. So reason number four, and this one, um, if you haven't watched social dilemma, you won't completely understand if you do watch the social dilemma, it's basically what it's about, but it is that social media platforms are designed to addict you for the sole purpose of extracting your data so that they can modify your behavior and make money. So one thing that I hear a lot Um, I heard it from the people, some of the people I surveyed, I went to a writer's conference this summer and there was actually like presenters in one of the breakout sessions, um, said this from the platform, but it's basically that social media is just a tool. It's neutral and that it can be used for good or bad. And it's really what you do with it. Now I have said the exact same thing. So I'm not judging the people who think that I used to think the exact same thing up until like, even up until like a year ago, I was still telling people that because I felt like my reason to leave was so personal and that like, I couldn't handle social media and for sure, like many people are using the platform for good. So I'm not even negating that people can use the platform for good. But if there was one thing that I, that is so clear from every single thing that I have read exposing social media from the people who actually invented the technology and were the workers and the early um, the early uh, engineers and technicians who actually did created the stuff is that social media is not neutral. 
It's not neutral. Um, Tristan Harris, who is a former startup, uh, he's former startup founder and a Google engineer, and he's one of the software engineers that's featured in The Social Dilemma. He says this, there's always this narrative that technology is neutral and that it's up to us to choose how we use it. This is just not true. It is not neutral. They, the technology companies, want you to use it in a particular way for long periods of time because that's how they make their money. And then Sean Parker, and this is a famous quote now, he's been quoted a million times everywhere I look, I see this quote, but he's one of the, he's the founding president of Facebook. He said this in 2017, the thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being one of them, being the first of them was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? So these are the people who created it. They actually want you there for a long time. So how do they do that? So I needed I needed someone to explain it to me. I'm like, well, what do you mean? They're like collecting data and they're making money. I don't understand. So here's what they do. So they attract you to the platform in the name of connection. Okay, that that desire for connection that you have is a good thing. God put that in you. Like there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to find your childhood best friend and connect with your mother-in-law and put post pictures of your kids. Like there's absolutely, there's nothing wrong with wanting to connect with the people that you're trying to influence and, and get to sell, you know, sell your stuff to like, there's nothing wrong with that. So they lure you there under that guise of connection, but that's not, that's not why they want you there. They don't want you to connect. They just want you there to be there. Then step two they start collecting data about you. So they watch your tendencies, your likes, your dislikes, who you follow, what you believe, what you buy, what you search for. Every time you hesitate, even just for, it's all it's all taken. And so they, they have the ability to collect 52,000 pieces of data on you. And they create then a shockingly accurate avatar based on your online behavior. Then step three, as they get to know you, they show you more things that you love so that they keep you on the platform longer. So, okay. They're like, okay, Alexia always stops at cat videos. So let's throw her some more cat videos. Um, so the reason that they keep you there is not because they want you to enjoy your time there. It's because they want to keep you there. Okay. Because they're trying to collect more data from you. That's why also why you go to like check your child's Facebook page and you get sucked in for another 30 minutes because your child's, you know, school Facebook page, mm -hmm. because they will drop stuff in there knowing like you just came in to check that, but they'll make sure that a notification pops up to get you to want to check that little red dot. Okay. Step four. And this is where it gets creepy as if that wasn't already creepy, but it gets creepy here. They start to show you more things that will create subtle shifts in your thinking. So they'll be like, okay, she liked this. What if she, would she like this? And it's just going to be a little bit of a shift, a little bit of shift. So maybe they'll suggest that you join a certain group or follow a certain person all the while continuing to collect your data. So you don't even have to like click off. You said that you could click off and find weird stuff. You don't even have to click anymore because they're going to start subtly shifting, you know, oh, she, she liked this thing, you know, for this political person. Maybe she would like this, this thing for this, you know, group, maybe a little bit more extreme and more extreme. Okay. Then step five, they take everything that they know about you, which is a ton and they sell it to advertisers. And this is how they make billions of dollars. So is advertising bad? No, of course not. I'm selling things. I'm going to try to sell something at the end of this podcast. <laughs> so like, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with selling, but what they are doing 
is it's different than any other medium that we have in the free world. They are taking in, they're collecting data from you without you knowing it. And they're selling it. They're selling it to people for time in front of your face. So it would be like, if like when your kids, I know you homeschool, but if your kids, if your, if your son went to school and while your son was in school, your teachers and the school, his teachers in the school would be collecting stuff about him all day and then sell it without any discretion because you can, they'll just sell it to whoever sell all the information about your son, like all his favorite things, his favorite foods, his favorite video games, his, you know, his favorite toys, and then bring those people in front of your son for a a one-to-one show in front of your son to present and try to sell him and get him to think about things differently just to your son. I mean, doctors are not allowed to sell information about you. Your pastor is not allowed to sell information. Your therapist is not allowed to sell information about you. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I can't even go to the doctor and, and like the doc. Okay. So my doctor can't share my personal, my medical information with my husband Mm -hmm. without my written consent. And yet all these online communities take all the things they know about you. They watch you. Every single thing you buy, they're collecting, every single thing you click on, every single thing you search, and they are literally selling it. And like you said, how you how you felt kind of creepy about, um, about taking part in that. Like I remember buying Facebook ads and I don't know if you've ever bought a Facebook ad, but there's a whole process that you go through where you can choose down to very detailed information. Like if people who, who like Lisa Turkhurst, people who uh, follow Beth Moore, people who buy um, shop at Target, people who, okay, all of that, I can choose like demographics that are very specific based on their online behavior and then target them with an ad. And then I pay and it shows up in their feed. They didn't ask for that. They don't follow me, but I can pay to get my, get in front of them. And so that's what they do. So why is that a problem? Well, because, um, Proverbs 24, 23 says above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. And so this may sound like completely over the top, but I'm saying it, I'm throwing it out there. When we are taking in unfiltered information for hours a day, so this information is determined not by God, not by people who love us, by advertisers or by an algorithm that was designed by people who do not have our best interests in mind, solely for profit, we are leaving our hearts unguarded. And since everything that we do flows from our hearts, I think this is a really big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I mean, it's, it feels both like it's, yeah, like the analogy of like my son and then putting it in front of him and like the data thing. Cause I think a lot of times we think like, well, I don't really care if they take right my data because it doesn't really matter. Um, and I think this is the, this is the hard part. Maybe this is why it's called the social media dilemma. I don't know. But um, to me, this is the hard part, especially as online business people, because 
essentially, no matter what we're doing, we're capitalizing on this whole process, even with that's exactly right. Well, even with our, even with our content on like Google, they're doing the same thing, even yes. with our podcast, you know, all of it. And so in some way, well, now I podcasts about- are not, podcasts are not algorithm driven. So actually that I podcasts are one of the few mediums right now, forms of media that are not, that are not in this category. So yeah. And yeah, yeah, because I I was thinking, because like with, well, because you can Google things and podcasts will come up or you can, um, or even like in podcasting, like I can search, right. And like get whatever, or like, it'll recommend shows that I might like, like you might like this, um, that kind of stuff. And so, but, but I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking is that it reminds me of how like God takes even like bad things and uses them for good. And this is a very careful spot because I don't know, like thinking of it as you're saying it, where it's like, because I think about like ads, when someone runs an ad for a Bible study that I might love, that's awesome. I don't know about that person. You know, I don't know about them and they pop up. Awesome. I needed that. Um, And so it, it does feel, and like, even when we're, um, you know, as business owners, like if we're doing a YouTube, if we have you, like literally YouTube is doing the same thing. Oh, yeah. So if you have a YouTube channel and you're making money from the ads, that's, you're monetized that way. So now it's sort of like, is it bad, right? Is it somehow wrong to be in this? And I don't know that answer, but that's either. what it kind of feels like is it's <laughs> yeah. like there's, it, it's like using, yeah, that it was originally kind of with this ill intent um, maybe. I mean, I guess it's like it's the, the capitalization that feels that feels icky to think that people are using our information, not for our good, but for their gain. Um, and that. But at the same time, like we nobody makes us buy the thing. Right. Nobody made us do whatever. Like we still have that if we if we pay attention. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm really if, if something pops up and I find myself like clicking on some ad, I'm like, do I really is that, do I just want that because it showed up, you know, like we yeah. still have the ability to control what we do, what we buy. Um, But I think this is like kind of at the core of a lot of the uneasiness that we feel when we have an online business is it feels weird because we come Mm -hmm. from a world where we probably had a career. It's not the same as a brick and mortar store where we have a storefront and we are very clearly open for business and people who come by or we've done some kind of marketing to get in front of them um, that they are choosing to come in, right? Yeah. Um, versus like in the online business world, it kind of feels like we have to stand up in front of like a million people and try to catch the eyes of people, which is awesome in some ways. Like I literally talk to people from like New Zealand, like I'm never going yeah, to New Zealand. Right, like that right. is so cool, really cool that I yep. can reach them. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, like navigating kind of like how to use it responsibly or what that looks like. And I don't know if you have any extra insight into that, because as you were talking, I was thinking before you actually brought this point up, I was thinking, well, you know, ads are a way to basically get in front of people without being on social media. So it doesn't suck the life out of you. Right. But here we are at this point. And I'm like, you know, is it okay? Like, I don't know, like morally, and maybe I don't know if you've thought about that more, but like, yeah, using ads in that way, because I know that what I'm offering to people, like I want them to hear, I'm trying to get these women to, you know, turn back to God and and follow him more in what they're doing. Like if I can use an ad to get in front of them because they're, if they're already on social, right. Then it's like, that feels like a good thing. And it's like, you know, when, um, like in the, in the Bible and like Jesus or 
or the disciples are having to travel around by foot to like go out and, and say a message. Like right. Jesus just like spoke and then it's up to the Holy Spirit to do whatever he's going to do. Right. And so that's what I think of when I think of like ads. It's like you put it out there and then whoever crosses in front of it, like you still aren't deciding for them. Right. But there's this right. underlying thing that makes it feel like, mm, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is a great question. And I mean, I wrestle with the exact same things. Um, you know, the, this particular challenge that I'll be offering at the end of this episode, I, I'm wrestling personally with, do I put ads on Facebook because the people that I'm trying to reach are on social media? Like I'm trying to get people to take a social media break. So how do I reach those people? It's like going into the strip clubs to save, you know, the strippers, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, like how I, we're, we're not going to, so yeah, there's a, there's, there is an element of engaging there and doing good, like you said, and then there's an element of, but I don't want to contribute to, um, first of all, other people's addiction. Uh, you know, I don't want to, and which, which we'll talk about in the last um, reason. And also I, do I want to feed a system that, that is, um, that is designed, you know, essentially to conduct business in, in an unscrupulous manner, like that doesn't feel right to me, but I, I guess that's why I advocate rather than just telling people you need to get off, you know, because because honestly, like I have not gotten completely off. Like I, what I, what I, that what I'm calling, what I do now is make social media small. So I'm trying to encourage people, first of all, to take a break, to create distance, and then let's figure out how to make social media as small as possible in your life. Because I feel like when you're fully engaged there, I mean, it, that's not good for anyone. So mm -hmm. being fully engaged all in and where it, it was like me in 2016 to 2019 or really from 20, 2008 to 2019, none of that was good. But, but I do feel like, um, I feel like business follows money. And so unless a large number of people say I'm not engaging in this anymore, the business will never change, but I'm hopeful that because I think enough people are getting outraged about all of this stuff that, they could, they could change it from what I've read from the smart people who create all these, you know, algorithms and such <laughs> that, that it wouldn't take very much of a tweak in order to change everything that I just said into something that is honorable and really is about connection and is not about addiction and extraction and money-making like it wouldn't take much, but because two point nine, six billion people are currently on social media or 3.96. I don't know. It's billions A of lot. people. <laughs> yes. Are on social media. They're not incented to, to make any changes. So unless people start, you know, saying voting with their time, voting with their attention, saying I'm out, I'm not doing this while it's like this. I, so, you know, I, that's where I'm landing right now is I'm going to vote with my time and say, I'm not engaging. I, I'm going to do as little as possible. I'm in a writing group that I pay money to be a part of. And the connections that I make there are important to me. And so I keep that. I keep my, I have a friendless Facebook account. I literally unfriended 3000 people and closed down my, my author page. 
where I had thousands of people following me and I keep my one friendless account so that I can engage with writers in, you know, because I've made genuine friendships there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, that's what, that's how I'm choosing to do it. I think for the women who are listening, I think creating distance is the first step, taking some kind of a break so that you can get quiet in your own heart and ask God, what would you have me to do here? Because there's a lot of layers and a lot of questions. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer here. Yeah. And I think the, the, a big part of that too, is like you're saying is the, almost like the addiction side of it, where that's really the, the, you know, not everybody's addicted, right. But those right. that are, it's like, that's really the, what the conversation's for. Um, and yeah, cause it's not that everybody's addicted to it though. Right. I feel like I don't know anybody who really I don't know anybody who's not. Yeah. yeah like if to they're give, on like, it, they're yes. having a hard time. Now, um, I'll, I'll say there were, there were a couple women who took my, my survey. There was like, it was like 8% of the women who took my survey basically. And I, they're mostly either really young or they're really old and they just get on there and they like pray for their friends. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, and I, and they don't have any kind of desire. They're not sucked in like we were. Mm -hmm. There, There is, I feel like in the periphery, there are some people. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are legitimately like addicted, like they are to drugs mm -hmm. and they need like to, they need to just shut it down. Like they shouldn't, for them, it's not going to be healthy to engage on any level. But I think most of us, we're kind of, we fall somewhere in between the, those two extremes. We're on the spectrum. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then lead us into number five then. Yeah. So the last one is, and this one kind of brings it all together, is that you have an opportunity and a responsibility to model for your kids what a full and free life looks like outside of social media. And so my kids were born between the years of 1997 and 2006, and that puts them squarely in the middle of what is now known as iGen, which are those kids who have never known a life without the internet, technology, iPhones, computers, social media. Okay. I remember what life was like before that, way back in the 1900s. <laughs> I remember having a landline and, you know, I remember leaving the house without a cell phone because I didn't own one, um, coming back and listening to messages on the answering machine. Like, I remember all of that. My kids, they have no memory of that. My 23-year-old daughter, even though she was born in 1999, she has no memory of that. So I feel like our kids deserve um, to have someone in their life who is clear-headed, who is not sucked into this um, the influence of, mm -hmm. of everything that's happening on social media. Um, when I think about the people behind me who are, you know, my young daughters, my young son, he's 21, young to me. Um, when I think about the women who follow me, I think it is irresponsible of me to lead them there. When I show up on social media, and this was, and this might be the answer to our question, Alexia, because like when I show up on social media, I'm telling people, this is where you can find me. And when I engage with other people's content on social media, I'm saying, I'm here, I see you here, and I'm feeding this thing that currently is not designed well. It's des it's designed to addict. And so there, the part of me 
that is saying that it's irresponsible is saying, I don't want to lead the women that I follow. Okay. I, I have a, a podcast called the balanced mom cast. I have, um, I have Bible study on hearing the voice of God. I have a Bible study on, on finding your balance. I have, I, everything that I say is trying to help these overwhelmed moms find balance and, and follow the Lord in their life. And if I lead them to a place that I know leads to addictive behavior, if I lead them to a place where I know they're going to come maybe just to see what my one post is, but then lose two hours of their day in the process. If I lead them to a place where, where, um, I know that chances are really high that it's going to contribute to their depression, anxiety, or loneliness and cause them to think differently about things and have information overload. And if I purposefully lead them there, that feels irresponsible to me. It feels inconsistent with what I feel like God is calling me to do. So my hope is that by taking a break from social media, that you'll, you'll, get a, a feel of what it feels like to live full and free outside of those platforms. And that by doing that, you can model for your kids or for the people who follow you, for the, your customers, for your clients, for the people that you actually really care about, that you're creating content for, who have never known a life outside of social media without the internet, so that they will never have to say, I feel trapped I want to leave, but I can't like we can model for them. Oh, but you can. Yes, you can for any length of time. So that is the best reason. Um, but I think even like kind of what you were connecting it to is to model for other business owners, for other people that we're helping in yes. our businesses that um, they don't have to be on social either. Like they're not having FOMO, right? Because they didn't catch our latest posts or do whatever right. the latest thing was. And and that's, um, it's hard. I think it's, it's a, it's a tough question. And I don't think we have like all the answers. We're not saying we do, but no. this is just information to bring to the table, to have us asking these like serious questions, because I am still on social media. I don't go in there and do a whole bunch of things, but, um, I just don't want people being like, but you said like, I don't know what I think yet. You know, I don't know where I really sit with this, but it is food for thought and things yes. to, to ask yourself and really praying about. And if you feel convicted that it's not okay, then, then don't. And if right. you feel like it is okay, then that's okay. I, mean, I don't know. Like God can still use people on social media. Like there are so many people of course. like during the pandemic, you know, just, um, cause while people are over there scrolling, they're all of a sudden seeing a sermon or they're seeing sure. this, you know, they're seeing good. So it's not, um, all bad, right. We're not saying that, but, um, as far sure. as like how it can be used, but so that's, I just want to say that too, that it's whatever you're feeling led, but, um, so just real quick then, um, what then, what are some alternative ways for us to connect as business owners, um, trying to create an audience, trying to build that connection. We alluded to it earlier, but what are some ways, okay. some alternative ways for them to connect with an audience that's not social media? Well, I think, I think the very first thing that you need to figure out is what, what are you trying to accomplish with the time that you're spending on social media? What are you trying to do there? I mean, because connection to customers versus brand awareness versus sales versus networking with others in your industry, like all of those things are very different 
um, functions that social media can play. I think a lot of us got on because we were told we were supposed to be there. And then we're just like chasing everything. We're like, oh, you mean I'm supposed to be in stories? Okay. I'm going to, how often am I supposed to do that? Okay. Sure. I mean, reels, I'm supposed to do reels. Okay. Got it. Okay. TikTok. Okay. Got it. Oh, Facebook lives. Okay. I'll do that. I mean, we're, we don't need, and we don't even have a strategy. We're not even sure what mm. we're supposed to be accomplishing. We don't have metrics to figure out if it's doing what we're supposed to be, like what it's supposed to be doing because we, we're just going there because everyone said we're supposed to be there. And so, so alternate ways to engage will, will be a direct result of why you're there in the first place. So that would be my first thing is like, figure out why you're there. Um, so if you were trying to, for example, to connect with customers, like you said, connecting with them through email is really powerful. Um, or even, okay, so if I know that like, there's a, there's like a community aspect on social media. If you have a lot of engaged people where you're like, they can talk to each other. If you can pull them back over to your website and post blog posts and create that community there, that would be an option. Um, I think if you have like VIP customers and you'd be willing to open up like access to you over Voxer and have like a Voxer chat group. I mean, can you imagine if people could actually just talk to you rather than, you know, having that, that, that could be like a premium offer that you, you give people. So, you know, there's, there's lots of ways. I, and I, I think we have completely forgotten that like 20 years ago before social media, people held in-person events. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, if there's, can you, can you, can you go speak? Can you show up? Can you, when you go to travel, the people who, who are out of town, can you let them know, Hey, I'm going to be in Nashville. And like, you know, that we could meet for coffee mm -hmm. or I'm going to be at this coffee shop. Anyone who would like to come and connect with me, you can do it here. So your connection rather than, you know, where social media is like this broad, shallow connection. It's like low hanging fruit. You know, it's, it's like cheap. It's like, not even, you don't, you can't get depth. Getting off social media has forced me to go narrow and deep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Rather than like broad and wide. So does it take a little extra time? Yes. Is the ROI a hundred percent better? Absolutely. For me to take time in a, in a, putting it into a thoughtful email that goes out to my email list that I own is totally different than me putting the same amount of time into um, a Facebook live that, or, or, you know, I, I left before reels were a thing, but anything that, you know, stories like that just disappear, you know, that type of thing it's completely different. So, okay. If you're trying to do like brand awareness, you could, I, I recommend everybody have a website. Okay. You need an online presence that is not entirely like your, your foundation should not be social media anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're trying to create brand awareness, it needs to be through, um, a website. You can have a newsletter. You can have a podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. Podcasts are amazing ways right now to reach people. Um, like you said, a YouTube channel, um, if you have a physical product, you know, can you get into local shops? Um, could you collaborate with others? Can you go on a podcast tour like I'm doing right now? Can you write an article for an online publication um, with a byline that points to your website that shows people all your products? If you're if you're there for sales, again, this can happen on your website. You can, and I will say, as far as sales go, 
well, I don't know. I don't know if it's for sales for all things, but for books, pot, uh, social media is a terrible medium <laughs> to sell books. Like the, the return on investment, I think that the, the actual statistic is like the conversion rate is like 0.01% of people who see a book on social media, buy that book on social media from social, because people aren't there to read anything long form. I mean, they're not, they're there for quick, 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 but people who are listening to podcasts and they can hear an author talk and go into the depths. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can, I I've lost track of the number of times I'm literally listening to a podcast. And while it's still playing, I go over to Amazon and buy the book of the person that Mm -hmm. I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. So there are so many better ways um, to do sales than over social media. Um, If you're trying to connect with other people in your industry, you can subscribe to their newsletters. Most professionals already do that. Um, You can subscribe to their podcasts and listen to them there. You can attend conferences and meet them in person. You know, all of these things, they like, I think we've just forgotten that we had all this stuff before Mm -hmm. and we think, oh, but if I'm on social media, if I'm not on social media, no one's going to know about my stuff or me or I'm like, that's not true. Right. That's not true. Those are some really good, that's some good options. And I was also just to add to that, you know, if you want to have a community, there are things like Mighty Network and and other things that are all social media that you can still create community there if you don't want to do Facebook groups. And I think, and I've actually, I actually thought about doing that for my group too, because the thing about social media is I was thinking about that is that there's the algorithm that you're sort of always trying, like you're, you're inevitably going to feel if your business is based on social media, you are going to feel like you are running really hard and going not very far because they, you're going to put all this effort in. I mean, I'm literally in a, in a very active group right now because we're doing this, this um, like program and there are like, you can just see the algorithm working even in that. It's like somebody just posted but I'm seeing somebody's post from three days ago because they're deciding. And so there are even things that the people of the group can't see because mm-hmm. of the algorithm that's choosing. There are, like, there are times when I post something and it's gone. And I'm like, it's not gone. They just, I don't know what they're right. doing. But it's like, so you're going to feel like, like, what is happening? Why is my business not taking off? But it's like, you think you're out there saying all this stuff and you think that you're doing all this work. But in reality, like 4% of people that are actually even following you are seeing it. So it's uh, it's like you're not doing anything. Like you think you're doing something and it feels so easy to go that way because it's just as easy as open my phone and talk. And that, and that, and in some ways that could be, but if you don't want to live there, if you want to have this balance, if you don't want to feel like, you know, all of that, it's like building that email list and creating this content. Like, I don't know how many times I've gotten coaching from listening to podcasts because I can hear their thoughts and I feel like they're in my, they're literally in my ear. And so I feel like we're chatting, like we're having this conversation. What's happening on social media is just, it's, um, I just feel like it's just not a deep enough connection. Like you said, in-person events. I think that's funny because I was talking to somebody, I did an interview a while back and she was talking about how she got her coaching doing in-person coaching events. And I was like, what? What is that? that? A lot of of people that listen want to be coaches. And it's like, it never even crosses our minds to have a a workshop, 
to have an in-person event. I mean, like I live outside of Nashville, so like I could totally do something like that. And I've thought about it. It feels really scary, but it's not that I can't do it because it's another thing of online business that a lot of us do is we kind of can hide behind the screen. We can do our thing and we can, you know, hide behind our mic, whatever, but Mm -hmm. it in person feels scary, but it's that the connection there. And you'll probably make more money in that workshop than you did in months of online stuff. If you're throwing yourself at social media all the time. So I think that, you know, we have this, and I get it. Like online business is easy or more simple than, than in person in like the sense, like you don't have as much of a upfront cost or overhead and all of that. Um, and in a lot of ways it gives us the chance to kind of bootstrap it. I get that, mm-hmm. but it yeah, almost it causes us to, it's like we fall into the trap of trying to bootstrap something so much that we're also not even getting the thing we're after the connection and making the sales. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, that's really, it's just a different way of seeing it. Like you're saying, there, there's a whole world before social media and it's not even before, there are people still doing that. There are people that still have in-person right. workshops and they still do like retreats. Like I am the kind of person that would love to do like an in-person retreat where we all get together and we nerd out over business stuff. Like it's like a yes. mom's like work retreat where you like go off and get all your ideas out of your head and you like organize it and like and have fellowship together and just to pray over your business. Like that sounds amazing. And it feels like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's like nothing like that, that you can possibly get by connecting online. Right. Like it's it's, not, it's not the same at all. I I was going to just say that I, when I did, okay. So obviously during the pandemic, I could, we couldn't gather. And so I, I have always taught all of my studies in person. Like I, I used to be women's ministry leader at my church. I have since, since my kids were babies, I have taught Bible studies in my home. Like that's every book that I've written originated as a Bible study in my living room, multiple Bible studies with many different groups of women. And then all of a sudden I have to, you know, do it online. And it is, it is so different. It is so different to sit in my living room, to have to prepare my space, to have to make plans, to have to brew coffee, to have to clean my bathroom, to sit down then and be speaking to someone face to face. And, and when she starts to tear up, to be able to hand her a tissue, grab her hand, you know, hug her. It is a completely different experience. And, you know, I would ask women and I've had to ask this myself. I would ask the people who are listening, who are like, but you know, then I wouldn't be successful. I would have to ask you like, what, what is your definition of success? Because because, you know, it feels like, it feels like, like the bigger, the better is the only way, like, as long as if it's not up and to the right, it doesn't matter. And I, I don't see where that's, that's not necessarily true for every person mm-hmm. and every business owner. You know, there is something to be said about going to the small local shop versus going to Walmart. Okay. So like, I love Walmart. I love Target. I love Starbucks. Like I love those big national worldwide, whatever chains, but there is also something really special about going to the small local shop and, and, and frequenting that. And so I, I think that's kind of the mindset that I've taken by stepping off is I thought, okay, I'm not going to be Walmart you know what? I'm going to be the small local shop. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the boutique. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. the one where if you email me, I'm going to email you back. And, 
And, you know, if, if you want to have a conversation, I'll hop on a call with you. Like I, because I can, I have the time to do that now because I'm not spending all of my resources doing this like shallow wide thing. Yeah. So that's really good. And it reminds me of, um, I feel like I did a podcast or had the idea either way of (laughs) like this, this realization that like in the Bible, um, you know, God, we have these big figures, Noah, Moses, you know, and it's like we we aspire, like we're inspired by those stories. But it just kind of occurred to me, I mean, I feel like God said this to me, where it was like those people were called out to do these big, hard things. Yeah. But for the millions of people that aren't doing big, hard things, they're like the everyday people. And so yep. we're not always called to be like this big, giant thing. Like those big, giant people are noticeable because there's only a few of them. Right. And it's okay, like to to detach. That's a holder to detach from that being our like goal, right? And to be okay with if God wants you to be this small thing, that's mm-hmm. like because really success is obedience, right? That's the right. real the real success. And um, yeah, to just to, to to go after it when that may not be what's right for us. And I think the other part of it is that we're enamored by this passive income, which I get, I get it. Yeah, As moms, me too. Mm-hmm. we want to do that. And it is amazing. We can, we can create courses, we can offer coaching, we can do these things. But and so I'm not saying everything needs to be offline. I mean, no, but you can't, right. those are just options, right? But I think that um, at the end of the day, what we're really seeking, because I've often thought about this, like, okay, if I had a course and it was doing, and it was totally passive, like I'm not ever even doing anything, would I really want that? Because right. if, if I did, what I really am wanting is to, um, like, it's just for the, for the money. And, like, people are getting right. helped, but then I would just be receiving money. And then it's like, well, why don't I just go get a job, right? And we want to have our freedom to do whatever we want to do. And so I think right. a lot of us at the core, we actually want to connect and help people have relationships and, and serve them in that way, which means a, just a deeper connection that's actually, you know, not doing all these things. Right. So, um, right. all right. So while wrapping up here, so tell us about your seven day challenge coming up in November. Yes. So beginning November 1st, I am offering a seven day challenge and um, it is to take a complete break off of social media and it's called the make social media small challenge. And I lead them through five simple step preparation. Um, I have a framework to prepare them for the break. And, um, and then we all log off together for seven days and I will send a seven minute email or audio if you'd rather listen um, with encouragement, some additional facts about social media, some questions to consider and a simple prayer. And for those who want to continue, you get to the end of the seven days, you can be done, you can get back on. Um, but if you want to continue, then there will be an offer to um, join a seven week challenge, which will actually keep us all off social media through the months of November and December, which for moms, I will have to say that sounds like such a treat because (laughs) the holidays are crazy for mamas. And so, um, so yes, everything that you need to know about that is at the scooponbalance.com slash make social media small. And I'll put those links in the, in the description below and stuff. That sounds really um, exciting. And I love how it's all email, right? It's still connection. And like you yes. said, you can even do audio or even put videos, another random idea into yep. your emails to connect with people. That's yep. kind of like little mini similar to social media. Yes. Well, thank you, Sandy. This is a great conversation and um, it was great having you on the podcast again. Thanks for having me.
All right. That wraps up our conversation about social media. And, you know, towards the end there, I wasn't sure about what I think about that. Honestly, I don't know where I stand on the, the point of using something that really has these negative intentions, but using them for good. God can turn things and use them for good. So this is something where I would definitely say, pray about it. Um, you know, follow what God is telling you to do. We're not saying that online business is bad or that social media, that that God couldn't possibly be telling you to do it. He may, I don't know the answers to that, but we wanted to bring this conversation to the table so that it was things to think about. And if you're feeling convicted, you know, obviously pray about it, but then we gave you some of those other ways to connect on social or to connect on social, to connect outside of social media, because there are other ways to connect with your audience, because at the end of the day, what you're really wanting is that connection. You're wanting to do what God's telling you to do, because you know that when you're in that place, you are going to feel peace. You're going to feel joy in what you're doing. You're going to be helping people. All of that is really what you're after, right? It's not chasing the algorithm and doing whatever on social media. So I hope that was helpful. I'm sure this is going to create a lot of debate. And so I would just encourage you to leave a comment below, let us know what you think, and we'll try to answer those questions um, and just have a conversation around this, what your experience has been, what you might think came up for you during this conversation. So thank you for joining us for this um, interview with Sandy Cooper. I'll put all her information down below, and I hope that it helps you as you're pursuing your calling. So until next time, keep pursuing your calling. Thanks for listening to the Mama with the Calling podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at mamawiththecalling.com slash podcast. Really quick before you head out, are you loving these episodes? To make sure this podcast gets in the ears of as many mamas as possible, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I'm going to be reading your reviews on the podcast, so I can't wait to hear from you. Also, if you know someone that needs to hear these episodes, grab a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And don't forget to tag me at Mama with a Calling so I can share it in my stories. Until next time, keep pursuing your calling.